Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for a glorious Friday, the 27th of May, 2021. Happy Friday. Welcome, you beautiful, delicious. You smell good. You look gorgeous. Friday, how are you? I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. We only succeed because of you. Um, as a reminder, the freaking weekend effing review is going to be lit tonight at midnight at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. I am so sick and beto and and joe and obama all you scumbags oh man i've been holding it in all week so uh patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast please check that out support the program there and uh, enter the contest and all that good stuff so thank you so much for that um all right i just want to let's get started let's get started so i can then finish and then get to the curse show there are a lot of things we want to get to before we get out of here. And uh got some audio to we gotta start off I gotta start off God I can only imagine the the strategy session where Beto O'Rourke and his team sat down and said, This is we need to find a way to capitalize on these murders. There's too much attention being paid. You see, you think this is petty. You think this is ridiculous. This is how politicians think. He's running for governor of Texas because everybody looked at him and said, we're not interested in you running for Senate. We voted you out. They weren't interested in him running for president, but he can't accept the fact that simply the people aren't interested in beta. They don't want to piece that action. The arrogance. I mean, the guy, he's bored to death. He married a billionaires. So what else does he have to do? He's dumb, so he's not going to, you know, a smart person would pick up on this thing after the second rejection, at least. But no, he is uh, plowing forward because, you know, apparently he doesn't want to spend time with his wife and kids or his wife and kids don't want to spend time with him, in which case I would fully understand their position. But they sit around and they look at the situation that's happening in the world. And they look at the situation that's happening in Uvalde, Texas. And instead of doing the decent thing and going, you know what? I'm going to take a couple days off the campaign trail. Just a couple days. And find out if there's anything I can do to, to help. or what. I'm just going to... I'm going to put all the focus on these families. I'm going to let them do it. I'm going to step out of the spotlight and let let these families heal. Let the state heal. That would be what a normal, decent human being would do. It would also... It's just not what Beto O'Rourke is. It's not what liberal Democrats are. It is the exact opposite of what they do and who they are. So instead of stepping back, being decent, saying, you know what, we're going to honor the families, we're going to stay out of there. Nope. Beto O'Rourke decided, looking at the television for the past 24 hours, that the governor of the state was getting too much attention, too much media attention. And Beto was leaving the possibility of too much media attention on the table. 
So somebody, I assume an intern, sitting around the table said, you know what we should do? We should go crash that press conference where the governor and uh, the attorney general and the mayor and the local leaders and all the parents, where everybody's getting all the glowing press and all the attention. and uh, We should go and crash that and get some ourselves. Who wouldn't love some jackass politician showing up in the midst of real useful information being conveyed to accuse the governor of not doing enough. And basically, without saying it, and I assume that Beto, he's pretty dumb, he sounds like butthead, kind of looks like butthead too. Okay, Beto, whatever you do while you're yelling at everybody, do not say vote for me and do not give out your website. This is one of those situations. I know we coach you all the time to give out your website and say, oh, vote for me. But this time... That'd be a little too on the nose. We want it implied. So don't do that. I I imagine that's what happened. And nobody on the campaign said, this is a bad idea. This This is inappropriate. This is not the time or place. You want to go and talk to the press. You can do it outside, but you don't go inside. You don't interrupt the situation. There are families in there who lost their children to a monster who are there to try to understand what in the hell happened. They just want the latest information. They're grasping at straws. They're trying to make sense of this. They're dealing with their pain in, in unfathomable pain in any kind of way. And they're there. Family members are there. And Beto said, I don't, you know what? That means I can probably win their votes by being a complete a-hole. And so that's what he did. That's what he did. He went to the press conference. He was tossed out of it. But listen, I want you to listen to this. The, the, The loud voice you're going to hear yelling back at Beto, who you won't be able to understand, and quite frankly, who cares what... I know what he said. You could... I could read you what he said, but I don't want to read you what he said because... It's just he's accusing Governor Abbott of being responsible for this. The left is a a disgusting group of people. Every time you think they've hit bottom, they they go deeper. They get out a, a backhoe and go down. Accusing the governor of doing this. You want to accuse him in a debate later on, fine. But at the moment, right there, that's politics at a debate. This isn't politics at a debate. This is an event where families are trying to get information. And Beto stands up and accuses him of being responsible for it. The left left doesn't believe criminals are responsible for their actions. Inanimate objects and other people who own those inanimate objects are. I'm surprised that after... Well... I'm not that surprised because they would have had to have acknowledged that Waukesha had happened. But it's a little bit surprising that uh, they weren't calling for a ban on certain types of cars or whatever after Waukesha. But they wouldn't do that because then they would have had to have acknowledged that Waukesha had happened. It was done by a black racist and that doesn't exist in the liberal world. So they just pretended it didn't. And then they moved on. Joe Biden didn't 
I don't even know if Joe Biden issued a statement. I know he didn't go to Waukesha. Beto didn't crash anything at a, a Ford dealership. Nobody did. They moved on as quickly as humanly possible. Anyway, listen to Beto. You're going to hear the mayor of Uvalde yell at him. He calls him a sick SOB, the B being just, well, listen to it for yourself. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down and don't play this I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Somebody in his campaign thought this is uh, this is good. This is gold. This is a wonderful opportunity. The people over at CNN and MSNBC talked about the passion of Beto. It was so passionate. He had to be. He felt no. No, it it wasn't. Passion would be. I don't, the closest thing to passion would be that you're uh, you just couldn't control yourself. You were there organically, and you couldn't control yourself. That's not at all what happened cbs news was on the scene and they reported what they saw and what they saw was a cold calculated setup involving multiple staffers see if beto is there before the event the media there goes oh wait what is beto doing here he's going to do something and if he's sitting there before the event people will start questioning him the surprise will be ruined he might be approached by i don't know a family member of one of the victims and say, what are you doing here why don't don't make this about you some of the local politicians might say look dude this isn't appropriate get out please leave this is this is an informational press conference for god's sakes have some decency couldn't do that so what they did is they had some seat fillers they had beto staffers go in there and hold seats in the front row because that's where you got to be if you're going to try and go up to the stage and wag your finger at people and right when the press conference was starting in walks beto quickly sneaks up to the front row and then waits for his moment unnoticed because everybody else in the room was paying attention to what was going up on stage because they're doing their jobs. They were interested in the latest information. CBS News reported this was a setup. You were in the room. My goodness. Uh, could you make out what was being said by Better O'Rourke? Well, I did see what happened just before the press conference started. I was in the third uh, third aisle, um, third row on the aisle, rather, and there were two people across the aisle from me, and a moment before the press conference started, they got up from their seats when Beto walked in. So they were seat holders for him, and then he sat down. So his presence wasn't really noticed in the 15 or 20 minutes that people were gathering inside because he was not in the room. So this seems something very clearly staged by Beto O'Rourke and his campaign. How disgusting can you be? How low can you go? 
the uh, idea of grave dancing is something I talk about regularly. That's what Democrats are. That's what they do. They see these things and they get excited and they go, Ooh, now we can talk about banning guns. We want to talk about banning guns. It'll never solve any issues. It would never stop it. Never stop criminals. You want to talk about it. You need to put more criminals in prison. You need to set, deal with mental illness. If you want to stop murders, that's how you do it. But they don't want to do that. They want political advantage. They don't really care if it's a scary gun. Does it matter if it's a scary gun or a friendly gun? No, it doesn't. It's a gun. It was used illegally by a monster to hurt people. That should be all that matters, but it's not all that matters. Not to these people. These people want control. They want to get rid of the Second Amendment. And they, oh, we, I love the terminology that they use. We want to use sensible sensible gun control. Well, what does that mean? Well, sensible. Okay, what does that mean? It means sensible. We want to ban assault weapons. What's an assault weapon? Well, we just want to ban assault weapons. Well, what's we want to expand background checks to include what? To include what? What do you want to Well, we want to expand them. Ultimately, what it boils down to is they want to do something. Well, actually no. <clears throat> They want to be seen as doing something. That's the key. That's why all these politicians are out there going, oh, we got to do something. We must do something. Would what they propose to do have made a difference in any of these cases? No. No, it wouldn't have. But it doesn't matter. Couldn't we do something? Couldn't we do something? If it saves just one life, Shouldn't we do something? That's their argument. Now you say, all right, on the rare occasion that somebody has a, um, a late-term abortion and the child survives, shouldn't you do something? If it saves just one life, now granted, that's a, a rare occurrence, but if it could save just one life, shouldn't the doctors be obligated to act to save the life of that newborn baby. The baby's outside the womb. It's no longer a clump of cells. It's suddenly transmogrified into a human being. Wouldn't that be doing something to save just one life? Well, they're not interested in that life. If you remember Governor Blackface down in Virginia said, well, what we do is we make the baby safe, we make the baby comfortable, and then we have a conversation with the mother about how to proceed. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was trying to kill it, and it's out now. Can you still kill it? All right. Well, those are the mother's wishes. That's what we must do. If it saves just one life, if it saves just one life, doesn't apply to anything else except for when the left wants to push a gun control agenda, wants to strip you of your Second Amendment rights. The New York Times had a piece today. <sighs> Peter Baker at the New York Times. This is... Uh, it's typical of the left. When they think they're being clever, they're really not. They're really incapable of being clever. But uh, boy, howdy, do they try. God, you got to give them credit for trying, I suppose. He's talking about the NRA convention coming up this weekend in Houston. He says, quote, one place guns will be banned in Texas this week. 
at the NRA con- conference when Trump addresses supporters. The Secret Service is barring attendees from bringing firearms into the room. Yeah, no kidding. You're not allowed to bring a gun around. The Secret Service won't allow you to bring a gun around a, a president or a former president. That's how it works. But they think they're being clever and going, ah, see, Republicans are hypocrites. And if you want to play this game, if you really just want to be as stupid as Democrats are, it's actually easier to argue things when you're not dealing with um, adults, when you're arguing with children. You could say simply, okay, great. You're in favor, the left is in favor of gun control. And you're saying, oh, the NRA is suddenly in favor of gun control when Donald Trump speaks because the Secret Service says no. Okay, fine. Everywhere Barack Obama goes, everywhere Bill Clinton goes, everywhere Joe Biden goes, they are surrounded by heavily armed, heavily, heavily armed security. But they want to ban guns. It's the same sort of stupid logic that the New York Times is deploying. It's just deployed against the left. Nobody would ever advocate, hey, the president's got to give up Secret Service details. But if you want to make the argument that somehow Republicans, conservatives, the NRA are hypocrites because on the day when Donald Trump speaks, you can't bring your weapon into the hole, well, why not apply that logic against them? The rest of the time, you're welcome to. But while the president of the United States is not is there, you are not. Them's the rules. They think they're clever. They're not clever. They're stupid. Um, they're progressive. They're the New York Times. The uh, the left continues to beclown itself in ways that you can't even imagine. Mark Fisher, for example, he is a Washington Post senior editor. He's also uh, co-author of Trump Revealed and author of Something in the Air. He's a big, serious author. He's a big, serious editor. He's a big, serious journalist. Let's see. His uh, profile picture is of him in an overcoat, physically writing into a notepad. So you know he's for totally serious. He tweeted out this morning, Invented for Nazi infantrymen, further developed by the U.S. military, the AR-15 was the Texas school shooter's weapon of choice. Tell you, the, the left wants... To, this is how they work, ladies and gentlemen. Let me give you a little bit of insight into the liberal mindset and how uh, manipulative... It is. The American public, the Constitution, doesn't really allow for the types of gun control that the left wants. So what they do is they try and just pick a small target. They really want to ban all guns is what they want to do. But they can't do it all at once. Think about how they've done it with health care. They have desperately wanted to socialize medicine for since socialized medicine was invented after World War II when socialism was sweeping Europe. That's what they've wanted. That's what they want. They're pushing for it. They recognize the American people were not going to go for it. The American people don't want socialism. So you give it to them in little doses. It's death by, death by a thousand cuts. It is, we'll just, well, Medicare, uh, uh, Medicaid. Oh, uh, we've got to S-chip. We've got to do this. We've got to, we've got to expand the, these programs. And you end up with a program where Medicare is supposed to be for 65 and older. And Democrats are doing what? They're pushing to get the age to enroll or buy into Medicare, as they say. 
pushed down to 50 if they get their way. Meanwhile, the other end, they've got Medicaid, which is for the poor. Well, people are poor when they're younger. They just are. You have to earn your way up. I know that's a, a bad word. You have to earn more money. You have to deserve it. So pretty much now in a lot of states, you can make up to $80,000 and be considered poor enough for Medicaid. They're always talking about expanding Medicaid. Now they do this. They don't ever really define what expanding Medicaid is when they do. We want to expand Medicaid. Okay. Well, if somebody's making $80,000 a year and living in Iowa, family of four, are they poor? No. No, they're not. They're living in New York City? Sure. But New York upstate? No, not so much. So they want to ever increase the amount of young and poor people they can get enrolled in suckling the government teat in Medicaid and then lower the eligibility age for Medicare. Shrinking, crushing, smashing the middle. Who Those of us who have private health insurance that we like, that works for us. And then we sit around and what do they do? These politicians start complaining, oh, the private insurance is costing way too much money. Well, you're crowding out a whole bunch of their customer base. The way to make insurance affordable is to have as wide a base as possible involved in that insurance pool. If you're insuring one guy against death this is a life insurance you're suing insuring what well, we'll do it in healthcare you're insuring one guy for all their health care expenses you're taking an awful risk as an insurance company that guy gets drunk and wraps his car around a telephone pole that simply the guy simply takes a header down a flight of stairs that guy has a heart attack that guy has a tree fall on him whatever it is the odds of that guy needing medical attention are pretty high at some point. You know, not going to be every day that you're shot as you walk out of your door. But eventually, in the course of a year, we all, at a minimum, you need a checkup. You need some, There's going to be medical expenses. But you have to insure not against, well, the annual checkup. You have to insure against worst case scenarios or at least factor that in in an actuarial standpoint. So you have to charge that person a lot of money. A lot of money, especially if they're 60 years old and have a history of health problems. They're, you know, 400 pounds, 60 years old, uh, heavy smoker, those sorts of things. That guy is going to pay through the nose for health insurance. The way that that guy could afford health insurance, even remotely close to afford health insurance, is the pool of people is not one person. The pool of people is millions of people. So while that guy is probably going to, you know, have a need a donutectomy or something like that, you have a pool of people that by and large won't, at least not for a long time. So you insure a million people, you got this one guy who's costing you a fortune, but everybody else pays a low, low premium, including this guy, because you've got enough people to cover this guy's unhealthy lifestyle. And everybody else should something horrible happen. But otherwise, they're probably not going to need medical attention the rest of them. That's how insurance works. That's how you spread the risk around. That's how 
it would work normally. Now, the left is, like I say, pinching the middle when it comes to health insurance. They're crowding out, crowding out a lot of businesses. A smaller and smaller pool makes it more and more expensive to insure people. They're not doing this by accident. They're doing it incrementally because they want to collapse the private health insurance system so that they can swoop in with their final kill shot, like a game of Mortal Kombat. They come in with their final kill shot. (laughs) Don't worry. Yes, private health insurance is so problematic. We can save you. They've done this to justify incrementalism as well. The federal government, particularly Ted Kennedy, created health maintenance organizations, HMOs. After about 15, 20 years of having created HMOs, Democrats were doing what? They were talking about how awful HMOs are. HMOs are terrible. We need to expand the government's reach because HMOs are terrible. You created them. They don't ever acknowledge that. Government creates the problem, then government has a solution for the problem. And it's always in one direction, more government. With guns, and how this is relevant, is they want to ban AR-15s. They desperately want to ban AR-15s. They want to ban all guns, but they're going to start with the AR-15. You have to, you know, the first drop of water through a dam just leads to more water through the dam. So when you get Mark Fisher at the Washington Post saying, invented by Nazi infantrymen, he's trying to make the AR-15 even more demonic. Invented for Nazi infantrymen, further developed by the U.S. military, the AR-15 was the Texas school shooter's weapon of choice. Now you can obviously, as a New York Post editor or Washington Post editor, you should have a command of you should fact check certain things you can't the ar-15 style rifle wasn't invented until 1959 if you're playing the home game that is long after world war ii but it doesn't matter he doesn't care mark fisher doesn't care that he's a complete clown that he gets this completely wrong He wants to make people who already hate the AR-15 hate the AR-15 even more. He wants to scare people who are already scared even more. He wants to throw this in there. Well, now it's associated with Nazis. Oh, my goodness. My God, what a monster. Like I say, he's wearing a waistcoat. He's wearing a, well, he's wearing an overcoat. Somebody else tweeted in response a picture of Hitler wearing an overcoat. Saying, you know who else wore trench coats? I mean, if you want to play this game, we can play this game all day. The left is used to winning this game. They just declare themselves to be the winners of this game. They live in a world where their voice, their opinions are the only ones ever heard. That Nina Jankowitz, the the woman who was running the disinformation board that resigned... She's still making the rounds. Now she's claiming that she is a sexist. Victor, or she's a victim of sexism. She ran immediately to the warm embrace of CNN and MSNBC. That's the world she lived in already. That's the world she ran to immediately upon her being uh, exposed, invited to leave, resigning, however you want to put it. That's what they do. 
She's probably never watched Fox News, but I guarantee you she's read a lot of Media Matters reports about what goes on on Fox News. She is the victim in her world. There's no rational world where she is the victim, but she doesn't live in the rational world. She lives in the world where Chris Hayes sheds a little tear about what might have been and what the country was denied when she was exposed as part of this Orwellian silencing agency that the Biden administration wanted to start. She's the victim in that world. She was only trying to serve the country. Now, there are a whole bunch of people who are convinced that what they're doing is for the benefit and the good of the country. They are all these sorts of people who live in these kinds of bubbles where nary a dissenting opinion is ever heard, ever uttered. It's a hate crime. She lives in Northern Virginia, Nina Jankowitz does. I guarantee you she gets invited to a lot of dinner parties. I guarantee you that at those dinner parties, there is usually no conservative. At most, there's one snuck in because somebody didn't know they invited the wrong person or they mistook something they said on social media or mistook what they said in the office as meaning they were on the liberal team. That person either never went back because they didn't want to be around that or they were uh, the person who invited them was scolded and saying, what did you invite that fascist for? Oh, my goodness. Don't you understand that that person, when they said, that five-year-olds should not be given hormone blockers. I just about stabbed him with an outrage. You know who else didn't think five-year-olds should get hormone blockers? Hitler. How could you have that person in your house? I expect you to burn that chair. That's who these people are. So you could say, ah, this gun was invented by Nazis. It doesn't matter. That's what it's for. It wasn't. It wasn't at all, not even remotely close to true. You didn't even have to look very far. You could just Google AR-15, and it's right there in the Wikipedia entry. You could have done that minimum amount of research before you decided to make yourself look like a clown. But the general public isn't Mark Fisher's audience. The general public is not Mark Fisher's He doesn't care. Conservatives aren't Mark Fisher's audience. He doesn't care. It is chum for his base, for the base, for the left. That's it. It's all they care about. So much of what cable news is, is just that. You've got a lie. You've got your mistruth. You've got your shading of the truth. It doesn't matter. It's our shading. Just let it go. We believe it. So it's true. You wonder how this country seems like it's going crazy? It's because it's being driven crazy by people in positions to prevent it. They've got the car keys. The uh, designated driver maybe didn't drink tonight, but they sure shut up a lot of heroin. Don't worry, they're not drunk. So, like, we've already got Beto sitting there screaming at them. We know it's a setup. Now you got a problem, a conundrum, if you will, for the Democrats, because they had... The parade booked for this. This was their Christmas in May. This was the two-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. 
Democrats love a good racial parade. They were set to go. They were all good to uh, exploit the hell out of that. And then suddenly Uvalde happened, and they were faced with, what do we do? Do we do we scrap our plans? The, uh, the deposit on the hall is non-refundable. What do we do? Well, they decided to try to have their cake and eat it too, which is not something, if you're genuinely sincere about the horrors of what happened in Uvalde, and you're not just trying to be politically exploitative, you don't shift, you don't go a yeah, but still. You don't do a yeah, but still. You deal with what's going on at hand. If you you had plans to go somewhere and then something horrible happened, you don't go, well, but we've got to go anyway. Look, we can't get the tickets changed. It's tragic, but let's just go. No. Circumstances dictate behavior sometimes. It's unpleasant. It's not fun. It's life. A lot of life is pleasant and fun, but a lot of life is not pleasant and fun. And you got to take the good with the bad and you got to roll with the punches. So Barack Obama, I don't know, he's got one of the highest priced PR teams in the world. They thought that they could split the baby in half, or at least they'd give it a shot. So, And he wanted to raise money off it. That's, I suppose, the grossest part of the whole thing is that they had a fundraising campaign scheduled around George Floyd's anniversary, George Floyd Day. So they decided to go for it. So at four o'clock yesterday, Barack Obama tweeted, as we grieve the children of Uvalde today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. Why? Why should we take time to recognize that? Well, because he's got a fundraising campaign based off of it. But honestly, what does one have to do with the other? It has. They're probably sitting there going, damn it, why couldn't Buffalo have happened this week? That would have worked beautifully. We would have raised so much money off of that. But instead, we get this Hispanic guy killing mostly Hispanic kids. We can't blame that on white supremacy. This sucks. You know that's their inner monologue. So they just go, uh, yeah, but still. They go, yeah, it's horrible what happened, but still. We got George Floyd died under the knee. The murder of George. George Floyd died of a drug overdose. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Should Derek Chauvin have been you know, doing what he did? Absolutely not. When the guy's saying he can't breathe, you cuff him, and then you get him out of there. I wonder how much of uh, Chauvin's actions were dictated by the people who were hovering around, filming it, going, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? It's going to heighten the tension of a situation. But no, Derek Chauvin is not a sweet, innocent person here either. But that doesn't change the fact that uh, George Floyd was a junkie trying to pass off counterfeit bills who had a whole bunch of fentanyl in his system and was going to die. Or, I don't know, maybe Narcan would have worked. Who knows? But it was a self-inflicted wound. But still... Barack Obama continues because he's got a fundraising campaign. His killing stays with us all to this day, especially those who loved him. Do you feel that the killing of George Floyd has stayed with you to this day? Now, maybe it's because I'm white or maybe it's because I'm just, uh, I recognize the situation, a, a junkie. 
and resisting arrest, fighting with police officers and what have you, that you don't do that, that I, it doesn't stick with me to this day. He shouldn't have died, but there's lots of people who shouldn't have died. He is no more special to me than anybody else who shouldn't have died. And I did not love him. Barack Obama claiming those of us who loved him. You you didn't give a damn about George Floyd. You never get, you never, nobody, the people in George Floyd's life, very few of them, it seems, actually gave a damn about them. You got Al Sharpton at the White House yesterday. Al Sharpton didn't give a damn about George Floyd. How much money that Al Sharpton rakes in does Al Sharpton and his group put towards helping people like George Floyd? People with criminal records who are actively abusing drugs. Any? I don't know. It's an honest question. I know they're very interested in fighting for politicians who claim that they want to spend a whole bunch of money on social safety net garbage that doesn't work. But I don't know exactly what the National Action Network does. What does the actual National Action Network do? Aside from, you know, not pay taxes. I don't know. Ben Crump was at the White House, too, and the same event, because uh, he's the uh, official attorney of black people, apparently. That's all he seems to do. He comes in and for tap and putts, negotiates the settlement, and takes his 15% or whatever he gets. But Barack Obama then continued, because he wasn't done. Because, Like I said, he had this planned. They had this planned. They couldn't let circumstances change their plans. You're not going to, you can't mark the anniversary of George Floyd's death a week after the anniversary of George Floyd's death. It doesn't have the impact. Everything, everything's dated. All the stuff has been to the engravers. You got to go forward for it. So they did. He continues, in the aftermath of his murder, a new generation of activists rose up to channel their anguish into organized action. Anguish. I will never in my life believe that anyone is anguished over the death of George Floyd who wasn't directly friends or related to George Floyd. I don't cheapen their loss. I don't cheapen anybody's loss. But if you lived thousands of miles away, never met George Floyd, and honestly, while George Floyd was alive, you likely would have crossed the street to avoid him because he was a big man who was on serious drugs. Nobody would blame you for doing that. You wouldn't want to sit next to him on a bus because he's a big man who was on drugs with a violent history, by the way. You wouldn't want to sit near him. Doesn't mean he should have died, but you wouldn't want to sit near him. You sit there and you talk about a generation of activists. I guarantee you that in Seattle, where activists took to the streets for 100 plus days straight trying to kill police officers, or Portland, Oregon, where they still are probably trying to kill police officers right now, to New York City, to Chicago, Illinois, to St. Louis, Missouri, to Baltimore, Maryland, to Miami, Florida, to wherever you want to be. There are people that those activists who claim to have been so righteously outraged over the death of George Floyd or that they will step over, maybe not today, but this week, will step over or around somebody 
laying on a sidewalk or drive past somebody laying on a sidewalk and not give them a second thought. You can't monetize the meth head passed out in an alley. You can't fundraise off of that. You can't monetize the person who overdosed because their heroin was cut with fentanyl. You can't make money off of that. What the hell do they care? They don't matter. I guarantee you in each one of those cities, somebody's going to die today from drug overdose or being beaten by somebody else involved in the drug trade or something horrible is going to go wrong. They're going to die. Those activists outraged, channeling their quote-unquote anguish about George Floyd won't do a damn thing about it. They don't give a damn at all. All politics is local. All fundraising is national. All activism is now national. Chicago, how many people will be shot today? How many people will be shot this weekend in Chicago? How many of them will ever have their names pass the lips of those in anguish about a junkie trying to pass off a counterfeit 20? Dying in a fight with police officers. None? Less than none? But Barack Obama, man, he's right there because there's money to be raised. The guy has made more than $100 million since leaving office, but he's not going to fund his charity with his cash. He wants your cash. He continues, launching a movement to raise awareness of systemic racism and the need for criminal justice and police reform. Oh, yeah. Uh, Democrats blocked criminal justice reform because it came from a black Republican called Tim Scott. They couldn't have a black Republican put forth a bill that they supported. They support everything in that bill, but they can't have that. So they opposed it. They blocked it. They filibustered it. Remember that relic of Jim Crow? They used it. They deployed it to prevent a black Republican, a black conservative, from passing a piece of legislation that they themselves say they want. But don't worry, Barack Obama's got fundraising to do. He's got fundraising to do. He then has a link to Obama.org. Of course he does. Inspired by these young leaders. My Brother's Keeper Alliance launched a reimagining policing pledge for mayors and cities ready to take action. If you're wondering how you can help make things a little better today, here are some ways to get involved. And you click on the link, and it's anguish and action, and there they are, the BLM rioters holding their fists up strongly and right there, just to the right of the fist of the black woman, and it says, Donate. That's how you can get involved. Anguish in action. At the Obama Foundation, we work to help leaders change their world. And the world needs changing. Fundamental transformation. You know anybody who might have been in a position of power to address these so-called issues you're complaining about, Barry? You know anybody at all might have been around sniffing the throne of power? Oh, yeah, you for eight years. What did you do about it? Not a damn thing. Why? Because it's too politically useful to Democrats. It's still politically useful to Democrats. You're raking in money off of it. 
The killing of young black men like Trayvon Martin, Ahmed Aubrey, Tamir Rice, and too many others at the hands of their fellow citizens, in addition to the black lives like Breonna Taylor and George Floyd being cut short by police, have left many of us anguished and outraged. Barack Obama, I promise you, has not lost one second of sleep over any of this. He doesn't give a damn. 19 kids were murdered, and that could not postpone, could not alter his fundraising plans. He had to turn. As we grieve for those kids over there, yeah, don't pay attention to those kids. That's horrible what happened to those kids over there. But what about my organization's bottom line? How are those dead kids going to help my organization's bottom line? I'm exaggerating only slightly because that's exactly what he's doing. It has to be highlighted. It has to be illustrated. The entire left-wing industrial complex had these plans. They weren't about to let them go. It was George Floyd Day, damn it. The killer down in Texas was a Hispanic. It can't be used. Suddenly it went from, uh, oh, it's all these shootings are white supremacy to it's all about the guns. It's all about the guns. Democrats were probably mad that it was a Hispanic guy. Not about the murder, but it was a Hispanic guy who did it. You think I'm being, that I'm giving them too little credit, that that I'm saying they're sicker than they, no, they're sicker. They're every bit as sick as this and more. Remember, Beta O'Rourke went to a press conference featuring families of the victims to cause a scene because he wanted some publicity. Barack Obama didn't have to launch a fundraising campaign yesterday. He didn't have to. He did. Because it was planned. It was ready to go. Give him money. Take action. Get engaged. The guy who's largely responsible for walking back, for ruining, for kneecapping race relations in this country, Barack Obama. He sat idly by as every disagreement with his policies was couched as racism. Don't think that didn't have an impact. You don't want Obamacare. It's only because he's a black man. What? No. What are you talking about? Well, you're sitting there complaining that he's getting involved in Libya and the Arab Spring, but not in Iran, only because he's a black man. You're using code words. You're using, No, I'm not. I'm flat out saying he's an idiot. It's not a code word. It has nothing to do with his skin color. I'm saying he's a bad person. No, you're using code words. A whole bunch of people heard that and believed it. Believed it. It was a lie then. It's a lie now, but it was useful to Democrats, and that's all they really gave a damn about. You want to talk about sick. You want to talk about exploitative. You want to talk about child abuse. You want to talk about damaging. Look at what Barack Obama did to this country. Look at what Democrats did to this country in the name of Barack Obama. They didn't try to defend his policies. It was just, you're, you're some sort of racist. You're some sort of phobe. You're whatever. That has impact. You don't get to do these things in a vacuum, even if the vacuum is between their ears. 
So forgive me, Barry, if I point out that you're a scumbag because you're a scumbag. It has nothing to do with your skin color. It has nothing to do with your bulbous ears jetting out from the side of your head. It has to do with what you do. It has to do with who you are as a person on the inside. How you can live with yourself, I don't know, but I guarantee you, you haven't lost a second of sleep. You didn't give a damn about people you're using, you're fundraising off of, and the fact that you're doing it is kind of gross. Not surprising, but gross. I'm looking at uh, the Twitter machine, and I, I see this from Politico, and you just sit there and you go, this can't, this is beyond parody. This is beyond parody. Joe Biden, you care so deeply. He had his big George Floyd event at the White House yesterday, too. Went off without a hitch because nobody there would, you know, and no journalist present would dare ask any stupid questions. But Politico is reporting that uh, President Biden will welcome the K-pop group BTS, which I don't believe is... Maybe they sell some records in this country, but I just can't imagine that... America, maybe they do. Then it's a sign of the apocalypse or whatever. But uh, the, an American girls scream for a, what, how many of them? Six or seven of them? I don't know. There's far too many people in this singing group. Uh, BTS. That all They all look like, like teenage girls, but they're boys. And that seems to be what is popular or whatever, at least what the left is insisting is popular. But he's going to welcome the K-pop group BTS to the White House next week to, quote, discuss Asian inclusion and representation as well as address anti-Asian hate crimes and discrimination. BTS isn't, as far as I know, now I could be wrong. I'll look it up right now. But I'm not super up on uh, my my K-pop, South Korean pop. But they're not American. They're South Korean. Why the hell are you welcoming some South Korean group? Because they're popular. That's it. Because they're popular. That's the only reason. They're welcoming them because they're popular. And so they want to get some of that popularity by proxy to rub off on Joe Biden. Well, I think most of the people who would vote... See, the 13-year-old girls are not going to be giving a damn about Joe Biden. Maybe they'll scream at their TVs, but who cares? 13-year-old girls don't vote. A lot of Democrats act like 13-year-old girls, so there's that. But this idea that this is relevant, when Joe Biden just recently refused to fly out to Laguna Woods in California, where a Chinese communist went into a Taiwanese church and killed people, shot at people, because he's a Chinese communist and they're being conditioned to dislike Taiwanese people. Joe Biden, I don't know if Joe Biden, if Joe Biden released a statement on the situation, it was brief and it was not followed up with anything. Joe Biden went to Buffalo. It happened on the same weekend. Joe Biden went to Buffalo Joe Biden couldn't get to Buffalo fast enough. Joe Biden gave a speech in Buffalo about how this is all Republicans' fault. White supremacy is the biggest threat to the world. The Asian lives that were lost didn't matter to Joe Biden. He didn't give a damn about that. 
He couldn't fly out to California. What does that tell the Asian American community out there? Joe Biden couldn't fly to California because that would cut into his beach weekend plans. But he'll fly in a South Korean group. Your kids will love it. And he'll talk about all these issues, pay lip service to them, whatever. Discuss with people who aren't Americans this issue. Not Americans. Americans aren't welcome. Oh, believe me. The room where this will probably take place in the East Room or something at the White House, a big room, BTS will be there. Joe Biden will have a speech written for him. He'll stray from it. He'll say stupid things. But he'll have the speech that hits all the right tones for it. And in the room, there will be very excited young girls who are either the children of White House staffers or the children of Democrat donors who get to meet BTS. They get to meet them right there. That's what they're doing. They're sucking up to donors. They're going to do it right at the White House. They're going to do it under the guise of pretending to care about anti-Asian hate. When in reality, unless it's happening in front of... Well, actually, they don't care. We got footage after footage after footage of black men in New York beating holy hell out of elderly Asian women. Elderly Asian women pushing them down on the ground. For no reason, just walking past them, decide to shove an old Asian woman, and then they start screaming anti-Asian slurs at them. Is the White House making a point of this? No. They did make a point of it. They made a point of it about a year ago. Talked about how disgusting hate crimes were on their eyes. Hate crimes are wrong. They tried to blame Republicans for that. And too much footage kept coming out. All that footage of Democrat voters, probable Democrat voters. Black guys in New York, Democrat city. And you sit there and if you really listen to these people and you go, why is it that these bastions of hate crimes are also bastions of liberalism? New York, attacks on Orthodox Jews in the streets through the roof. Anti-Semitism in general in New York is through the roof. Attacks on Asian Americans through the roof, up. You can surveillance footage everywhere. Same with San Francisco. You would not find, you'd be hard pressed to find a Republican involved in the governments there for a generation at least. Yet these places are suddenly, we're told, hotbeds of hate. They never say who the haters are. They want you to think, they want the public to think. It's those evil, dastardly Republicans who are out there doing this. When you look at it, just even you don't have to look at the footage, you say, well, how many Republicans are there in the city of New York? It's the uh, Jussie Smollett syndrome. Jussie Smollett would have you believe, and Democrats did, God, they did, would have you believe that the two Republican Trump voters in all of the city of Chicago happen to be lingering outside of a subway in negative 20-degree weather, and a weekday night, waiting for the gay guy from a show that nobody watched to show up. And these people immediately, oh, this makes horrible. What happened to Jesse Smollett is terrible. 
He's terrible. And Jesse Smollett did his interview with Robin Roberts, who never challenged anything. And just, oh, that's terrible. And he said, no, no, they come after me because I went hard after 45. Remember that? I went hard after 45. I'm a champion. I'm a hero. I went hard. You criticized Donald Trump. And that they're, they're get in line. They're everybody with a D after their name, every liberal in the country, everybody with an IQ under 17 uh, went after Donald Trump hard. Nobody knows who the hell you are, Jesse. You're a uh, below-the-fold name on a show that wasn't very popular, uh, especially amongst people who you claim all these racists come after me. It was a racially, it was a black show. How many racists are watching a black show? I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't. When Arsenio Hall had a talk show, I used to watch that show. I never sat around and thought about who else was watching it. But now that I think about it, I can't imagine a world in which there were many members of the Klan watching it. Oh, I hate black people, but I love the dog pound. Oh, man, I love to go hoop, hoop, hoop. I don't think that's the way the world works. But in the left's mind, that's the way the world works. In the minds of the Democrats, in the minds of Ron Klain, the chief of staff at the White House, who had to have signed off of this, they looked at it and said, we got to do something about the Asians, but I don't want to go out to Laguna Woods. It's a holiday weekend. I want to go to my mansion in Rehoboth. All right, let's import some Asians, all right? BTS is on tour. Let's get them in here. Aren't they not American? It doesn't matter. Who else would you get? Well, they fly out families of the victims and churchgoers from the church out in Laguna Woods. But what kind of coverage is that going to get? It's two weeks later. The media has moved on. They never really wanted to cover that story anyway. It wasn't helpful to their cause. They're sympathetic to communism. So flying people out from Laguna Woods is a non-starter. But a Korean musical group that people like, kids like, well, that's gold. I don't know who these people... Whatever they're paid at the White House, it's too much. Whatever Ron Klain is making, it is too much. Whatever Barack Obama is making, it is too much. These people are gross. <laughs> There's no two ways... Of... Meanwhile, Joe Biden at his um, his George Floyd rally... I swear to God, is, is everybody politically tone deaf at the White House? You're dealing with a tragedy down in Texas. But you know what? Al Sharpton doesn't have another opening on his schedule until like two weeks from now. So we we either do this today or we don't. Ben Crump is charging us a, a discounted rate to show up here and be used as a prop for this old white geezer in the White House. He is not going to stick around. They went ahead with their event. And at it, Joe Biden stuck to the script provided to him. No critical thought, no thought at all. He says that the BLM Antifa riots, the, remember the year of uh, burning Democrat cities? They, that was actually a unifying force for people. It unified the country, don't you know? I don't know. A country unified around, first of all, that's not true, but a country unified around that, if it were true, I would leave that country. I would leave that country. But listen to Joe Biden talk about how the BLM Antifa riots unified people. Two summers ago, in the middle of the pandemic, 
We saw protests across the nation, the likes of which you hadn't seen since the 1960s. They unified people of every race and generation. They were so unified. So unified. They unified them in their, what, their hatred of Target? And their dislike of grocery stores? And their desire to steal everything that wasn't nailed down in a drugstore, causing elderly people in the neighborhood to have to travel great distances in order to get their prescription drugs? Is that what they were unified in? To do billions of dollars in damage to cities that will never recover, quite frankly? And because of shoddy leadership and uh, putting the police on a leash, they shouldn't. They don't deserve to be rebuilt. They don't deserve to recover. Do you think think Milwaukee's doing good right now? But Joe Biden is, like Barack Obama, a race baiter. Something about it sounds actually worse when it comes out of Joe Biden's mouth because... While they both have their history of racism, Joe's racism history is based on anti-blackness and Barack's is built on anti-whiteness. They were the chocolate and peanut butter of progressivism. But uh, Joe lives in a fantasy world where he believes that every day black people wake up living in fear, shuddering in fear, hiding, cowering, not knowing that every day they could get killed. Every day they could get killed by a white person or a cop. When in reality, there's 99% probability that if you are to be killed, it's going to be by somebody who looks like you, regardless of your skin color. And uh, if you are black, you have a higher percentage of being killed in general than if somebody who is white. And it is exponentially true that your killer would be, or more true that your killer would be somebody who looks like you, meaning black. But Biden doesn't care. The narrative is evil whitey coming to get black guys. Vote for me. Vote for Democrats. We'll protect you. Is that working out in Chicago, Baltimore, Detroit, anywhere? But as we've seen all too often, public trust is frayed and broken. And that undermines public safety. The families here today and across the country who have had to ask why this nation, why so many black Americans wake up knowing they could lose their life in the course of just living their life today. Simply jogging, shopping, sleeping at home. Whether they made headlines or not, lost souls gone too soon. Members of Congress, including many here today, like Senator Cory Booker and Congressman Karen Bass, alongside members of the Congressional Black Caucus, House and Senate Judiciary Committees spent countless hours on the George Floyd Justice Policing Act to find a better answer to that question. Is that really how black people live their lives in a racist mind like Joe Biden? They do. In a racist guy like Joe Biden's mind, they do. Wake up every day. Wake up. All right. Well, I'll... I'll crunched the numbers. I just crunched the numbers. I used the Washington Post's database, not some right-wing nutjobs database trying to cook the books. In 2021, black people wake up every day. They don't know they're going to be killed by police. By 2021, six unarmed black people killed by police 
that you can go through and look up the difference. Uh, you can look up each story. Uh, believe the vast, there are only six of them fleeing on foot, fighting with police officers, so on and so forth. You can figure it out on your own from there. But six, six people, 2021. 20, but all black people wake up every day, every day, wondering whether or not today will be the day that they die at the hands of police officers. Anybody believing this anymore? Sadly, there are some people who believe this. So, by the way, 2021, 2021, eight white people killed. Now, Democrats will use that as proof. They will, it's a disproportionate number. Disproportionate number. Black people only make up 13% of the population or whatever. Whereas white people make up half the population. Uh, there's six versus eight. There should be more white people killed or something like that. Then you look up who comprises the vast majority of murder victims. And you'll see, again, a massive discrepancy. Uh, vast, Overwhelmingly, from a percentage of the population standpoint, black people are murdered at an outrageous amount, a rate compared to every other skin tone in the country. And it ain't by cops. It ain't by evil whitey. Democrats don't ever go down that road because that road isn't helpful to Democrats. That road has to be ignored. That road is ignored. That road doesn't get a day at the White House. There's no stop the violence rally at the White House. There's oh, police killed George Floyd and they're likely to kill you too if you're black. Vote Democrat. They got that day. That's a day that ends in Y. A day that actually deals with the reality that might actually save black lives? That doesn't get a day. That doesn't get a lunch. That doesn't even get a tweet. Because Democrats don't care. I forgot, because this story, it's almost too unbelievable. Almost too unbelievable, but it's... I guess we'll see as it shakes out. I, I'm always weary of anything. I've gotten emails about, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Police were keeping parents outside the school down in Texas. Outside, They're holding, the gunman was holed up for 90 minutes inside. Killing people, killing children, while the police were outside, not rushing in. And I sit there and I, I have difficulty believing this is real. But then again, it, it makes much sense if you remember Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, the police were outside, the security guards were out. They didn't go in. They didn't. I'm sorry. This is going to sound jerky. This is going to sound bad, but it's your job to risk your life. Not willy nilly, not stupidly, but it's your job to risk your life and if, for, to save others. That's the job. Yeah, the pay sucks. And yeah, the public is wildly ungrateful. And yes, half the pol political class uses you as cannon fodder whenever it's convenient. But it's still part of the job. When you're holding back when you're expending calories holding back parents whose children are inside from running in there. You're directing your energy wrong. Go in there. Yes, something horrible could happen. Something awful might happen. You might accidentally shoot a child. You might, you never know. But you might not. You can't stand outside for 90 minutes. When the border guards showed up, they went in. The guy who, event now this is the story as of the moment, so 
take it for what it's worth. This story could always change. But when the guy who eventually shot and killed this monster, shot and killed this monster, he had been shot in the head, grazed. There's pictures of his stitches, allegedly pictures of his stitches circulating on social media and a hat that he was wearing with a hole in it right on the top and it had gone and it had pulled in there. But if this story from well, it's UK Daily Mail, it's all over the place, is uh, is true, we seriously have to have some reckoning with police officers. We honestly do. If they're, I don't want them to unnecessarily risk their lives, but they absolutely need to risk their lives to save the lives of others. That's part of the deal. The story, frantic parents of the children murdered in their Texas school screamed at law enforcement officers to enter the school and discussed uh, storming the building to rescue their kids. Harrowing footage shows as it emerged that the gunman was only stopped when authorities obtained a key to open the classroom door. New footage shows the chaotic crowd outside the school as heavily armed sheriffs and law enforcement stand guard and hold them back. In one case, seemingly wrestling a panic-stricken woman to the ground and pinning her down. What are you doing? Get inside the building, one person said. And that's what you do. That's what you have to do. Is it ideal? Is it great? No. But that's the job. And if you can't do that about the job, then don't do the job. Don't take the job. Carry your shields. Carry the whole bulletproof shields are heavy. Yeah, okay, so what? Get in there. Get in there and end this. That is your job. Do you think that soldiers want to go charging into... No, they don't want to go charging into gunfire. They don't want to enter the war, but that's the job. They signed up for it. This is what you signed up for as a police officer. It's unpleasant, it's awful, it's horrible to think about. But to stand outside for 90 minutes, trying to figure out what to do, waiting till you get a key, how many lives were lost... Because you were afraid of losing lives. I don't know how you'll live with yourself. I don't know how that sinks in. If you're sitting there fighting to keep parents out. Go in. Go in with all of them. Get get everybody in there. Overwhelm it. Go ventilate this monster's head. Plain and simple. Put him down like a rabid dog. You don't sit outside going, well, we need to plan this out perfectly. No. There's time There's time to plan, but if there's no time to plan, you better plan to act. And if you can't plan to act, if you won't plan to act, then you have no business doing the job. None whatsoever. That the police were outside for 90 minutes and a border patrol agent was the one who killed him says, says something, doesn't it? I think it does. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to play you uh, along this line of uh, the leftist obsession with race. AOC. AOC. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you see. Yes. She was doing an Instagram thing again. She does these chats all the time. She is an absolute narcissist. What's funny is if you watch any of her videos where she's rambling on about whatever, you can see, she posts the video herself, you can see what people are chatting about. It pops up on on screen. It never has anything to do with what she's talking about. They're having their own conversation. It's like the social gap. It's like an important thing. Oh, you got to be seen on AOC's chat. They're not paying attention to her. It's kind of important. 
sadly, the media pays attention to her, but nobody else does. They're little fans. They're little sycophants. It's just cool to be, uh, you know, on AOC's team. And so they, uh, they just, they're sitting there fighting over these stupid things that have nothing to do with anything. And you're like, you're not, they're not listening. Anyway, she goes on and on about white supremacy. Yes, evil, evil white supremacy. Why? Because that's what the Democrats need people to believe. They need guilty white liberals to believe this, and they need gullible minorities to believe this, that somehow Democrats will protect them from these things that don't exist. You might as well be talking about unicorns, but they've got studies and statistics that show it. No, they don't. But that doesn't stop them from saying it. You know, it's funny. It's like, I I find it really interesting that people think that like spreading and discussing realities and how we heal from our country's wounds as spreading hate, when really what it is is like they don't want to be reminded of the hate that exists. And if we aren't willing to confront it, it's just going to keep growing. Talking about it is not feeding it. It's not inciting it. White supremacy is a fact. It's not just a fact. You look at FBI statistics, which underreport hate crimes, police statistics, which also underreport, even all the institutions that underreport hate crimes still has white supremacist groups as by far, by far the leading uh, driving, the leading driver of domestic terrorism in the United States. And that's with all the generosity that they get from underreporting. It's not even close. It's like the bar of white. <laughs> it's not even close. I told you this week about the uh, Anti-Defamation League quote-unquote study, which is what she's talking about there, where they count domestic violence as terrorism if it's done by a white person. If it's done by a person, they didn't count the Waukesha terror attack as a terror attack because they didn't. Real Clear Investigations wrote this up. Their title is the ADL murder report that cried white supremacist. It is uh, published today. It said in May 2021, two members of the family of the family values, a white supremacist prison gang, allegedly killed a member of a rival Southwest Honkies prison gang over a longstanding beef. Three months later, a New Jersey man who had vandalized synagogues and distributed neo-Nazi pamphlets strangled his wife. On the surface, the crimes would appear to have little more in common than their brutality. But the Anti-Defamation League included these murders by white men of other whites in its tally of right-wing and white supremacist murders in its report, Murder and Extremism in the United States in 2021. Now, I don't know about you, but if races of any race want to kill racists, go ahead. Let them, let's give them the schoolyard and they can have it. It's amazing how these people cook up these books. And of course, AOC knows this. AOC is not stupid. She's evil. There's a difference. And so, but she doesn't care. She doesn't get, now, the, the whole investigative report goes through all of this. There are tons and tons of examples. They, like I said, they used 
uh, domestic violence, any call for domestic violence as part of uh, domestic white terrorism. Okay, how? I don't know. Uh, let's see, uh, critics cite other problems with the ADL report. Like other organizations tackling extremism, the ADL rarely offers context to claims regarding extremist murders by comparing them to broader homicide statistics. During the same 10-year period cited by the ADL in its 2021 report citing 244 murders by white supremacists, there were at least 165,000 murders in the U.S., meaning those groups attributed, uh, the group attributed to white supremacists accounted for about 0.001% of such violent deaths in that decade. Yeah. No, no, 244, each one of them bad, murder's bad, but uh, what is that, half a, a quarter of a year in Chicago? 244 is over 10 years. The left wants to confuse the issue because they want to use the issue. It's not by accident. Lastly today, I want to play this audio before we run out of time of a coffee shop in Toronto. It's a communist coffee shop. <laughs> I love it when communists go into business. Because it's just a complete and total contradiction. The Anarchist is a worker-owned, anti-capitalist, anti-colonial cafe, shop, and community space. Gabriel opened the space after leaving Vancouver due to its unwelcoming sense of classism. Though he never felt comfortable working in a coffee shop in BC, he knew if he were to have one of his own, it would have to adopt the values that occupy such a huge part of his life. A place devoted to radical leftist politics, revolution, ending capitalism, improving the world's economic system that benefits everyone and not just elites, and most importantly, sparking conversations that will help implement these ideas. Other than delicious coffee, which Gabriel is most definitely an expert in. The shop has a rich selection of progressive political books that he's selling at wholesale prices. I was happy to try some great light roast espresso here. I even tried my first espresso tonic, which is something of a micro-revolution in itself. I highly recommend paying a visit to Gabriel at 190 Jarvis Street, if not for great coffee, for even greater conversation. Oh yeah, for real great conversation. This is what passes for media up in Toronto, by the way. <laughs> you want to talk about left-wing tilt. Oh, it's a communist. It's communist. He was so sick of it. He sells these books at wholesale prices. He's making a profit off of it. He's making a profit off of all this crap. But he's a communist. He's a capitalist communist. See, communism for thee, not for me. Go to his store. Order everything on the menu. If you're ever in Toronto, order everything on the menu and refuse to pay for it, man. Workers of the world unite and then refuse to leave. See, they will demand money. They'll demand payment. How anti-communist of them. And they will eventually assert their private property rights, those monsters, because leftists in every circumstance are raging evil hypocrites scum. I mean that in the nicest possible way. That is all the time we have for this week. Well, for this week, for this program, for the week in F and review. Boy, howdy, I'm ready to go. God, I would go. These knuckle dragon so and so's. Every single one of them are just awful, awful people. Uh, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Have yourself a wonderful holiday weekend. I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the show on Monday. I'll probably do a new show. Uh, I'm not taking the time off, so I might as well do a new show. I'll be taking some time off in June at some point, just a couple of days. But that's for uh, another time to discuss. Have yourself a glorious, glorious long weekend. We'll be back here on Monday or be back here or we'll be back at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast at midnight. Thanks for listening.